you know, it's the same message, man. It's just in a different, different medium. Hello, hello, hello. This is Good Bad Show. My name is Andy. And I'm Matt. And this is a podcast where I tell Matt about one of the worst places in the world from my perspective as a privileged white person that doesn't have to go to bad places. Garfield's home. It's going to be Garfield's home. The home of that lasagna cat. Yeah, that's probably what it is, right? Oh, gosh. It's like two rooms. It's just like one kitchen counter and then a room with a chair in it. That's this whole house. Garfield's room is just mostly just a line on the bottom. Oh, they really went to extra length to develop a whole world there. The setting is just rich and luxurious. You could lose yourself in that beautiful setting of Garfield. Oh, wait, it's just one color with a chair and occasionally a countertop. Oops, did it bad again, Jim Davis. That's the beauty. It's the simplicity. No, that's not really how fiction works. No one ever praises fiction for its simplicity. I took a course in my college career in Russian folklore Have you ever read a Russian folktale, Matt? Uh, I feel like, aren't some of the classics Russian folktales? I can't think of anyone specific, but I I don't know. I think most of the classics are German folktales, like your Grimm, your brother's Grimm. That stuff's all German. Aesop, I believe, was also German. I'm going to bet that these Russian tales are a little bit more grim than Grimm. Um, There's not a notable uptick in grimness, but there is a notable uptick in just general storytelling velocity. I would say okay. the average Russian folktale, from my limited experience, reads like the spark notes to a Michael Bay movie. It's like, <laughs> it's basically like, once upon a time there was a prince, then the prince was killed by a troll, and the troll grabbed the princess and took her to a place, and then a bear came and ate the troll, and the bear was very full of troll. It basically reads just like that, and it goes on for pages. It's like, you, you, they tell the storyline of a whole dynasty in like one short story. What's what is the moral of that story? Oh, it's usually like bears are good, and this is some, this is some very uh, some very interesting like racism I'm throwing at Russia now because they do talk about bears a lot. That is a real part of the culture. But to mm-hmm. to simplify it to simply bears are good is unfair and uh, probably on some level racist. So I won't say that. Uh, I don't remember the morals. I don't know. Family is important, and be good to people. It might have been less moral-based than, uh, than your Aesop's fables. Sure. I think a fable, by definition, is a story with some sort of moral. Am I right about that? I don't know. Write into the show and tell me. I'm not going to Google it for myself, so you better write in to tell me what a fable is. It's going to take too long. All that keyboard clacking in the background. It's too much work. Yeah. Instead of addressing Alexa, I'll address the podcast audience. Podcast audience, what's a fable? And they'll respond later. I think you just ordered toilet paper. Big delay on the podcast audience Alexa product. You get really got to order that toilet paper way ahead of time because there is going to be a significant lag. Mm. I hope the audience does order you toilet paper. That would be very useful. It's a very practical gift. You're going to use it at some point in your life. Do you know anybody that has too much toilet paper? They're never going to use it before they die? I have a story about this, actually. Oh, I'm one so time, glad. One time. I found a deal on Amazon where toilet paper was like, no, you know, $1 for a billion. So I bought it. <laughs> you can't afford That's not a, to buy it. You open a you toilet paper business at that point, Matt. So I bought it and it arrived and it was this humongous box just sitting in the middle of the living room. And Susanna came home and she was like, what are we going to do with all this toilet paper? Where are we going to put it? And I said, in our butts. And then she laughed a lot and I, I won that argument. <laughs> <laughs> I like how her asking a question about something you did is automatically an argument. It's, we're arguing now because you questioned something I did, and so I must win with a joke. I did win with a joke, though, so 
Who who's laughing last? I mean, everybody. I mean, who could argue with that? I mean, I guess if you're moving from apartment to apartment, like every year, you don't want six years worth of toilet paper because you're gonna have to bring it all with you from place to place. But yep. ooh, if you're settled, fill that house with toilet paper. What? I mean, why not? What yeah. You, what's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is they you invent don't have some to go sort to the of store like one day. The worst that could happen is they invent something that cleans your butt with that toilet paper. Like I don't know, a day that they have in the rest of the civilized world. That's another episode for another time. But how great the days are. But not what we're talking wouldn't about tonight, Wouldn't you still use Matt. toilet paper with bidets? So historically, traditionally, you wouldn't. You would have like hand towels next to the bidet. And the idea is that you clean yourself thoroughly enough that you can then dry yourself with a towel. That would be a shared towel. However, mm-hmm. modern sensibilities do not allow for a shared butt towel. So <laughs> most places have toilet paper in addition to a bidet. The idea being that you dry yourself off with the toilet paper once you've bidetted right. thoroughly. The way you said that, one day we're going to have an episode of why you love shared butt towels. But until that day, I guess we're talking about not that. That day is not today, listener. I'm deeply sorry for your loss. Well, Andy loves shared butt towels, and today we're talking about something else. We've had a couple of good ones in a row, and you know what that means, right, Matt? We've got to have a bad one. You're real mad about something. You're mad about Garfield's living room. You're mad about not having a shared butt towel. You're mad about something. We got a rant to brew in. Mm. Toot toot. The The rant horn is full. It's a brewing like kombucha. There's a train coming into town, and it's full of rants. Oh, boy. Ooh, I can't wait. Rant, rant. This is what Andy thinks the train sounds Everyone's like. Everyone's favorite segment. Matt, tonight we're talking about, like I said in the intro, and you ignore it, because you always just have your own funny thing to say, and you don't even listen to my funny... Actually, you didn't ignore it. You kind of riffed on it with the girlfriend. I riffed on room. it. I apologize, Matt. That's a good yes and. Sometimes I filibuster. Today, I'm yes anding. That was a good yes and. You are yeah, a good improv welcome. partner. Thank you. Today, we're not talking about Garfield's horrible home with two walls and a countertop and one badly drawn lazy boy. Instead, Matt, we're talking about a place that I'm certain you and I have both been, though never together, that is one of the worst places that you can be. Can you guess, perhaps, what this place might be? I think this is a fun game for us to play. Oh, boy. Okay, so we've both been together. No, no. The worst. We have been, but we have not been together. Oh, we have not been together. And I'll say that I don't have the worst place. I don't have like evidence to submit to the court that you've been there. I don't. I've never seen a photo of you at this place. But I know with as much certainty as I can have, without such evidence, that you've been to this place. Is this place in the United States? Is this a specific place or a generic place? Can you give me a little hint? It's a pretty specific place. I would say uh, it's it's got a proper noun name, uh, and it's pro- it probably takes up. I'm gonna guess like uh, forty thousand square feet. Maybe 50,000 square feet. Is it the mall? No, no, no. Proper noun. The mall is mm. not a proper noun. You could capitalize it if you want to. What if it's a specific mall? <laughs> if you capitalize anything, it's a proper noun. That's sure. how that works. I, if I make the rules, every th- I always win. Matt, I am talking about New York Penn Station. Oh, yeah. No one likes it there. It's the no worst place. But I'm not talking about all of New York Penn Station. Because I have to say, I went to New York on business last week, uh, which is something I do from time to time. And we usually take the train because the train is delightful, even though it is overpriced and often late in, in, in America. And we always pull into New York Penn Station. And I have to say that they have dramatically improved New York Penn Station. I'm not sure if you've been. Have you been in the past couple of years? Yeah, of course. You have? Yeah, so, absolutely. So you've seen the new lights they installed. They basically just like put a brand new ceiling and a bunch of bright lights in, uh, in the part that walks out to the Amtrak station. You've seen this new hallway? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I've also seen they took down the board that goes like. Yeah, that's very sad. 
That was a fun board. Every time one of those ticky-ticky boards goes away, it's, it's a sad moment for the entire country. The Philadelphia station still has one, I think. Baltimore, sure Baltimore had one for a long time. I think it went away like three or four years ago, and it was so sad. It was great. Yeah. Baltimore didn't even need the digital one either. Like, we had so few trains. I don't know. But I'm not here to complain about all of Penn Station, Matt, because, you know, all in all, I should like Penn Station because it's a public transit hub, and I like infrastructure, and I like public transit, and I like trains, and I like yeah. civilization. So well, I'm not here to complain about all of that. Do you like random goo falling in your head and you don't know what it is? Well, if that does happen there, <laughs> I'm also... I hope it's water! I, I'm also sympathetic to bureaucracy, and I'm sure the myriad of different forces that came to regulate and, you know, create Penn Station the way in which it is today uh, is probably a potent cocktail of confusing different motivations and perspectives. So I'm sympathetic to that. So I'm not going to complain about Penn Station. What I do want to talk about, Matt, when you go to Penn Station, for yeah. work or otherwise, yeah. or travel on the train in the Northeast Corridor, do you ever take the Acela? I've only taken it maybe once, like if I can justify a business trip, but very rarely. I think I take, I've taken it once from uh, New York to D.C. Okay. I also have taken it once. I don't remember the circumstances under which I took it. It was not, like for some reason... It was reasonably priced and maybe the only time I could travel at. Because usually... That was my situation, too. Because usually, usually for those of you that insane. don't travel in the Northeast Corridor on the Amtrak, the Acela is, I don't know, what would you say, 150 to 200% as expensive as the regular Northeast Regional? And Yeah. Between, for example, if you want to get from Philadelphia to New York, it probably costs you between $50 and $75. If you take the Acela, it's going to cost you between $130 and $200. And you probably save what? I'm going to guess 15 minutes between Philadelphia and New York? That's almost exactly it. Yeah, maybe 10, maybe 10 minutes. You save about 18 to 19 minutes uh, from Baltimore to New York on the Acela Express, uh, for which you end up paying usually at least $150 or $200 to get from Baltimore to New York on the Acela Express. Which is to say, which is to say, I have not taken it often, except for this one time. But I'm also not talking about the Acela, Matt. We're getting more specific. What oh. I'm talking about is in New York Penn Station, in the Amtrak terminal, for lack of a better word, they have like the subway section, they have the, the Metro North section, they have the Lur section, uh, they also have the Amtrak section, in the little Amtrak terminal, which is probably one of the bigger ones on all of Amtrak's tracks in America, I have to imagine. The, the New York Penn mm -hmm. Station station's got to be one of the biggest ones in the Northeast or anywhere. Yeah. They have a waiting area, as you might expect. Mm -hmm. And you know what else they also have, Matt? What? They have a separate, specific waiting area for people that have an Acela Express ticket. I know. And I've walked I'm past this a million times. I've never been in it. The one time in my life I got to take an Acela Express train, which, by the way, not even nicer than a Northeast Regional, really. Like, it's different, but it's not more comfortable, necessarily. You've got, I think like, it's newer. I think it's just slightly yeah, newer. Yeah, it's a little newer, but, like, the chairs are no bigger. They're no more comfortable. Uh, there's like different configurations. You can sit like across from somebody and have a little table between you, which is kind of nice. But overall, not worth the money. So the one time I had to ride the Acela, I did not have to wait because I was like, you know, traveling last minute or whatever. So I didn't have to use the waiting area. But every other time I've been there, I've walked past this waiting area. And this most recent trip, we got back to the station uh, 20 or 30 minutes ahead of our return train. And I sat in the regular, you know, the, the poor people waiting area with the other Amtrak passengers. What do you mean sit? There's no chairs in the regular waiting area. There are. There are chairs in the regular waiting area. Hmm. 
I miss these chairs. What are they, like, three? So, so, so we're thinking of the same space, right? There's this big, like, uh, circular walkway, right, that mm-hmm. surrounds this waiting area, and there's shops off to all sides, and on one side of a circular walkway are all of the tracks, you know, there's east-west, and then, like, one through 17 or whatever. Uh, yeah. So that middle area, like, there are two sections of that middle area. One is the regular Amtrak waiting area, which you must show your Amtrak ticket to be allowed to go sit on a chair. And the other one is the Acela waiting area, where you have to show your Acela ticket to go and allowed to be sit on a chair. Oh, I see. I never even got... I, I thought the whole thing was Acela, so I've never even gone in there. Yeah, I guess most of the traveling you've done from there is probably from New York, so you know that you know how long it takes to take a subway to the train. You're not getting there or super early, but uh, I'm a worrier. I like to get things get to places early, so usually when I'm traveling out of New York, I get there early just to be, play it safe. So I found the waiting area. But I've been there a bunch. I've been there, I don't know, a dozen times probably in, uh, in the past 10 years that I've been traveling back and forth from New York every once in a while. And this particular time, I was sitting there early in the morning, and I was staring at this little clear plastic divider that separates the Acela waiting area from the Amtrak waiting area. And by the way, I think Acela and Amtrak are owned by the same company. They at least work very closely together. They use the same tracks. You buy a ticket to the same place. It's just like the nice version, the expensive version of the same thing. Yeah. And Matt, I just got so mad. I can't describe how mad I got at how completely arbitrary it was that we basically had to just draw... They had the exact same chairs across, across that little clear plastic barrier. The chairs are no different. They're a slightly different colored leather. They're no newer. They're no nicer. There's no other amenities in that waiting area. The only reason that whole waiting area exists is because people that paid more money for their ticket have to feel special. We have to draw some kind of class lines everywhere. We even have to draw class lines between people that could pay $75 for a train ticket versus people that could pay $125 for a train ticket. Because that's the like foundation of our entire society. We had to put this dumb little clear plastic fence up to keep the, you know, the the bourgeois in their little the little <laughs> bin, the little holding area, because they refused to sit next to a poor Amtrak person, a proletariat riding the Northeast Regional, as opposed to the Acela. And it just disgusted me so much. It's insane. Have you thought about this? Well, no, because I thought the whole thing was for Acela. I was mad at the entire thing, and now I know I can just go in there anytime with the same seating. You can go in part of it, and you can look across the clear barrier at the other people that were like... I just, it makes no sense. There's no benefit whatsoever. The only thing it does is it causes a problem where if you have a greater density of people that are riding either the Acela or the Amtrak at a given time, one seating area might fill up more than the other, and there's no free exchange between these seating areas because they put up a clear plastic fence so the rich people could feel richer than somebody else. They still had somebody to look down on across this fence, and for no other reason. Yeah, it seems pretty silly, Andy. I can't say I've thought about it that much, but, uh, well, I mean, I guess the obvious is if you pay money for something, they want to give you, they want, they want to give you the illusion of something. I mean, I get the idea. There's nothing to give them though. There's no, there's nothing nicer to have other than the promise of not having to sit in a waiting area next to a poor person. Well, you could say you have the promise of sitting in a more exclusive, there probably will be less people here because it costs more money area. Yeah. And to be clear by poor person, I mean, person that can afford a $75 train ticket. Which is still a very say, not I poor person. I wish Amtrak were more for poor people. It would be really nice if those tickets were cheaper. It's not, uh, it's not exactly a bus ticket. Yeah. And I know this is not the right place to like spend my emotional or otherwise energy, like mm-hmm. f- being frustrated about this thing. But I don't think I've ever felt a stronger urge to like civil disobedience slash just like 
kick over a stupid plastic fence because it's just it is so obvious when you like step back from it for even a moment that all of the lines we draw are arbitrary. This line is so obviously arbitrary because you can see right across it and you can see that there is no other amenities for these people to have. This line is just drawn for the purpose of this line to be drawn and for no other reason. And so many lines we draw across race and class and structure are like that. And we still draw them anyway because it's very important in this country that if you're rich, you feel special and different than everybody else, even if you're not. Did you tell them that they're not special? Did you remind them all? I, I did not, but I've never found a stronger well, urge to do some Banksy style intervention. And maybe you should next time. Yeah. Maybe you should yell across the clear divider that they're not special and it's all an illusion. Okay, and- okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're now okay. going to brainstorm Banksy installations that could be on that plastic fence between the two seating areas. So let's see. I'm Banksy. I'm going to think of a cool installation for this thing. Uh, I guess I would maybe paint like a poor immigrant child on the, on the poor people side of it. That would really make them think, right? Yeah. What if you made it, what if you painted it so it's like a guillotine and dropping the divider cuts off the head of a poor person? And you put like a rolling head on one side and a dead body on the other. Yeah, that's good. That'd that's get good. Em. I like that. Yeah. Is that fun? Yeah. What if it was like a, a wheat paste that said like, eat the rich and you could only read it on the, on the poor side, the Amtrak side, but on the rich side, you could clearly read it just backwards because this transparent wall. So you would see that they were, that they were planning to eat the rich. That would, make you, that would make you think about it, right? What if you did a wheat paste that just says obey, right? Get Whoa. it? Like, like obey, like 1984, Whoa. the system, big brother. You know what I'm talking it's about? It's like you're supposed to listen to the, to the printed material in your built environment, and we're all just you know, following the instructions implanted in our brains by the, by the marketing people. Yeah, and if you can just think of some pop culture icon to go with it, I feel like you got a thing going. Okay, so, so the wall is like, it's a made-up thing. So what if I did a wheat paste of like a kid imagining the wall and like his thought bubble becomes the wall? Whoa, it's all imaginary, man. We made this stuff up. That'll get him. Can this be a recurring character on our show? Banksy. The guy who... Banksy guy. <laughs> the guy who wants to be Banksy one just, day but has Banksy really guy. bad Banksy ideas. Well, that's what Banksy ideas are. Banksy ideas are really bad Banksy, Banksy ideas. Banksy ideas are bad Banksy ideas. <laughs> oh, we yeah. should do a whole episode on Banksy someday because he's a perfect example of a person where like, I, growing up in the suburbs, had no exposure to Banksy whatsoever, and then I went to art school, and freshman year, my immediate exposure to Banksy was like, wow, look at this stuff. That sure makes you think, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And then, very rapidly, sophomore year and on was just about cynicism about Banksy and how dumb and blunt and on the nose he is. And where are you now? Uh, now I'm making fun of him on my podcast. Where are you now? Well, there you go. I think I'm kind of the same place. It doesn't make a huge difference in my life. Except sometimes I like to say that somebody is Banksy. That's a fun joke. Like who? Like who would you say is Banksy? Mm. Like, like, like Bush is Banksy? Oh, that's a good one. I can't remember the last time I've used this. I can't think of an example. You put me on the spot. This is too much pressure. Like Tyler Durden is Banksy? Oh, that's good. I like that too. Yeah. Maybe you're Banksy. Maybe that's why you're talking so much trash about Banksy is because you're Banksy and it's a cover-up. You don't want us to know. You're like, oh, he's blunt and boring, and I make fun of him. And because you're like, you know, you know what the real Banksy would never say? That. Yeah. That's what people think. The real Banksy would never say Banksy sucks. Yeah, because he'd say Banksy's great, unlike you. Wait a minute. But you could tell from my great Banksy ideas that probably the real Banksy. I mean, let's be real. 
look, you came up with the one where the poor child imagines a wall, and then somehow you fit that. Yeah. Where you put it on the floor? Yeah, it's like a trompe if it doesn't fit on the If it doesn't fit on the wall, how do you put it on the wall? No, you put that like on the reception desk where the people are employed by Amtrak to check your ticket to make sure you're not sitting in the inappropriate waiting area for your income level. Wow, papers please, right? Wow, makes huh? you think. Wow, yeah. Ooh, huh? yeah. Ooh, we take that little station and uh, we, we put like border control signs on it in a wow. wheat paste. Wow. Wow, makes you think. Makes you think you're Banksy. <laughs> makes you think you're Banksy. <laughs> you ever thought, what if I'm Banksy? Yeah, Sometimes what if I, I am Banksy? Banksy? What if I'm sleepwalking and making all this really, you know, socially uh, relevant commentary with my cool, cool wheat pastes? Maybe you're only so blunt when you're sleepwalking. You're like a little bit more subtle when you're, you're active and aware. But uh, when you're sleepwalking, you're just very blunt, but very political. This is a great crossover between the uh, stand-up comedy routine, Sleepwalk With Me, and all of Banksy's work. It's called Sleepwalk With Me, Banksy. <laughs> where Sleepwalk With Me where... through the gift shop where there's an exit. Oh, ho, ho. yeah, that's huh? right. Exit, huh? exit through the window with me to the gift shop, Banksy, as we sleepwalk together. <laughs> I have a sleepwalking disease, and I'm a famous street artist. That is a really catchy title, and I think you should roll with it. Banksy and Mike Berbiglia, Mike Berbankslia, get in a gay relationship and have a child. Or they just are the same person. Whoa, Banksy's Mike Berbiglia. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Well, we solved that. Yeah, well, I'm just, glad we did this podcast about solving Banksy. That's yeah. where we started, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I first started. I was thinking we would solve Banksy. Yeah. It's just like, uh, you know, it's the same message, man. It's just in a different, different medium. If I, if I, you know, get on stage and tell it to you with my cool patter, then you think I'm a quiet, reserved comedian. But if I paint it on the side of a building <clears> with a with a spray paint can I made out of a fire extinguisher. Whoa. You're a- really uh, rebelling against the form of stand-up comedy by not even telling jokes and telling, telling long-form stories. Are you even really a stand-up comedian? You, you know, know I'm really more of a storyteller, Matt. I've always thought that. Just, I love stories, you know? Yeah, I've always thought of you that way, too. I wouldn't even call you a director. I'd call you more of a storyteller. I love stories. I just, I really want to tell stories. And, you know, people, stories and people are really what drives me. That's what, I, that's what I describe my job as, is when I'm talking about what I do, I just say that I'm a storyteller, and then I walk away. Yeah. And you're a roller coaster designer, right? By profession? Normally. Yeah. But, I mean, that's know. like a story, right? You know, the story's like, up, down, <laughs> up again, upside down. Sometimes there's like an intro video that has the story, you know? What if like uh, Aerosmith has to get to the concert on time, and then you take the roller coaster? <laughs> I don't understand. It's your reference is lost Disney me. World. There's a Disney World ride where you take a roller coaster and you're supposed to get Aerosmith to the show on time. Oh, really? That's like a yeah. that's the that's the story context behind a whole roller coaster. Yeah. Um, you could Google it. I don't want to. It's awkward. I don't want to spoil it. But do you get Aerosmith to the show on time? Honestly, I don't know. It's not like there, there's a beginning video. There's not an ending video. Well, always gonna wonder. Other people probably know. I bet you could Google this. Next time you're in Penn Station, Matt, and you look at that little holding area for the rich, just get mad with me. Get mad oh, on my mad. behalf. You will, you, I'm, I'm cursing you now, Matt. Now when you go to the New York Penn Station and you look at that holding area, you will always think of me. I will think of you. I'll think it's bad. 
Definitely won't think it's good. So you're safe there. So we agree. And Objectively bad. The Acela holding area at New York Penn Station where they give you no extra amenities. They just draw a line between you and the slightly poorer people so you can feel better about yourself and look down on somebody because all of America is built on looking down on somebody else. And now I'll probably think, I wish I were in more of like a Disney World style line that has like cool stuff for you to watch before you get on the ride. And then when I'm on the train, I'm going to wish that I was on a roller coaster. Yeah, you wish you could use your like, you know, once a day fast pass to jump the line on your favorite ride. Ooh, hey, like a rich person. Yeah, exactly. And you could buy more fast passes if you want. I think people are either going to really like this episode or really hate it. Ooh, it makes you think. Well, we really like your new Banksy character. The I'm not Banksy, I'm Banksy guy. Banksy guy. <laughs> Banksy guy is the perfect name for that character, right? Because... It's Banksy guy. <laughs> like cuz he's Banksy, but he's he's real cynical Just about a it. guy. He's Banksy guy, you know? Yeah. That guy that gets you a coffee table book about Banksy work and goes like, "I don't know if you heard of this guy's work, but I think you're going to like it." <laughs> I do like people who like try to expose you to things that are just like incredibly obvious and popular, but they're like, "I'm going to tell you something." Let me let you know a secret, man. Have you ever heard of Arrested Development? Wow. Little known show. You're going you're gonna to love this show. It's called The Office. No, it used to be a British show. Banksy, so guy, Banksy guy is like the guy in your high school that was like a little more popular than the average person, but that still took like photo classes and would make like really cheesy Photoshop collages mm. of like, you, yeah. know, you know, here's me downtown in the city looking up and then here's a, here's a bird. Wow. That guy really likes Banksy. That's Banksy guy. It's also really into Entourage. Just saying, makes you actually he is. I was thinking of a specific guy I went to high school with, and he is into Entourage. So super into Entourage, <laughs> nailed it. Wait, what <laughs> else is this you. guy into? Let's see. Let's see if we if see if you, if I described him accurately enough. Okay, he wears his hat backwards. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's uh, he's probably into his sneakers. Okay, okay, a little bit, a little bit. Polo shirt. Yes. Uh, tries to grow a goatee as soon as he possibly can, but can't quite pull it off. Doesn't have enough hair yet. Yeah, I think we're getting a little bit off the rails. Mm, I think I'm still describing the right guy. You just might not, you might know the wrong guy, mm, you know? I see what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> this has been the latest um, episode of Judgment Weekly. <laughs> this week, judging that guy from high school, you know the one. You know that guy. Banksy guy. Yeah. And he probably, he probably talks to girls in a way that like he thinks is cool, but everyone else thinks is really creepy. Uh, yeah, now you're back on target. <laughs> okay, good. Bye! <laughs>